Hello folks, welcome to another episode of Yogi Dave's Hobby Podcast. Uh, this is episode 7, um, and if you don't already know, this podcast is about board gaming, war gaming, and um, RPGing. So, you know, the tabletop hobbies minus um, card gaming, which I don't really do. I do have card games, but I see them more as board games than card games, because when I look at card games, I think collectible card games. Um, so, on this channel, uh, on this podcast even, occasionally you get um, me talking about a coherent subject for an entire episode, sometimes you don't, sometimes it's just me talking about what's going on at the moment in the hobby. Um, so, today is one of those hot podcasts, or um, I'm, I'm looking at it being, so um, I believe this Saturday is the first wave of releases for Kingsley Cult, the new codex. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I won't be getting the codex at um, release because right now I have no money to do it. Um, but um, hopefully in the near future I get a new job and I get that up and going. Um, obviously at this point it will already have been released. Um, so um, I'm just talking in general, general, uh, general. I can't even speak. Generalities right now. Um, so we've obviously seen all the videos um, about the pre-release stuff. Um, I am really looking forward to it because it looks like they're. I mean, I got Gene Steel Cult stuff um, a couple of years ago. I think it was right after um, second edition came out and Gene Steel Cults looked like they were going to be a really cool army play but in the current edition but the thing was they didn't really have a lot of stuff um, for them so it seems like they're going to upgrade them fairly quickly with a lot of stuff so I'm just looking at the pre-order preview for um, the cult obviously this week, so first up is the Atlan Jackal, so that's the bikes and the quad bikes um, which look absolutely brilliant um, if you were doing kind of a high world army <laughs> they are a high world army pretty much if you were doing like a high world um, Imperial Guard army, they'd be really good for doing um, Rough Rider conversions um, to be fair with you, I'm probably going to use them in my Imperial Guard army anyway, as Rough Riders. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they don't look like Rough Riders really because they don't have lances or anything like that, but, you know, it doesn't really matter for me. Um, so, basically, it's, you know, it's motorbikes and quad bikes and they look really, really cool. Um, and obviously, with that, you're going to get the Jackal Alphys, so who's the leader of the Jackal Packs. Um, He's the guy that you saw in the preview with the sniper rifle and the radio on the pack. That's pretty on the back of his bike. That's pretty cool. Um, and then you've got the Locus, who's the basically the bodyguards for the Gene Sex Mages or Senior Cult Leaders. They look very much like um, what you would think an aberrant would look like if they weren't so weird looking. Um, but yeah, it's the guy in the robe with two shorts in the back and the kind of hammer thing um, on the ground. 
all the parchments and the cloak and everything, that looks so bloody cool. So many cool models for this um, particular release. And then, obviously, the Magus, the new female Magus release, um, which is separate um, released. Obviously, when you bought um, the original like command pack for um, the Gene Steel Cult, you have the Magus in there with the um, like Gene Steeler hybrid leader figure that the name of which escapes me right now um, and then the alpha gene stealer um, and then the wee familiars but you know obviously this female model has been released on its own and it looks awesome um, I am well up for um, all the new um, female orientated figures because I think and um, I don't not think I'm alone in this but I think to be honest, the the lack of female figures being released um, in 40k over the years, obviously you had the Sisters of Battle um, that were released as an army and all the rest, that kind of stuff, but you know, the lack of female figures over the years has not been great, because you know, you read any of the fluff, Imperial Guard armies are a lot of the time made up of lots of women, you know, there's entire regiments of female warriors, um, they're the only fighters from the planet, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, female Eldar, you know, obviously Dark Eldar, and you get the, you got the arm, armor with the chest plates and all this, that kind of stuff, but very rarely have female characters or female figures been, you know, um, released by Games Workshop. I mean, the last chances you had the two from it, was it three? Two or three. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's in a box somewhere in my my messier room, um, but it hasn't. I mean, obviously, it's not been detrimental to adding female players to the game, but I think it'd be more. It's more inclusive, and the less um, you know plate kind of figures than you know you used to get with Games Workshop. Um, or varied revealing outfits, you know, um, the new Imperial Guard Commissar um, that's been released, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, for the Black Library Open, I think it is. Um, but it's because she's a, a character in a book, like the main character in a book, um, they're releasing a model with her, and she doesn't have the classic fantasy sci-fi chest plate, you know, or boobs are basically shown um, which you know a little bit of respect I think is due to Games Workshop for that um, because they've gone away from that a lot of people have had issues with it because they look well she just looks like a, 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 a an effeminate boy and stuff like that it's like well no she doesn't she looks like a female character stop being a fucking dick and behave yourself um, obviously the Eshers are um, triggers are a wee bit more towards the old school but um, that's I think that is a kind of callback to the Escher characters from well the Escher figures from the original Ecromunda but you know they're far less um, less sexist I think um, the Escher figures of the current edition 
Um, I, I dare use that word, I know, but you know that's what I thought. And that's what I think. Um, don't get me wrong. When I was sixteen year old, you know, or younger, I had to have those figures because of the oh boobs, you know. But I grew up. I've had relationships. I'm in a long term one now, and when I think about it. I see my sister and I see my my niece and I go, well, I don't really <laughs> think that they're, and my girlfriend and everyone that I, I know that's a woman and I don't really see them, you know, represented that heavily in Games Workshop or even any figure range. But obviously Games Workshop are attempting to redress that balance at the moment. Um which I think is a good thing. I think it's only, you know, a positive thing for the community. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll remain to we'll remain open-minded and optimistic and what have you. And see what happens. Um, so next is the guy, the clam of us, who's the guy with the like the loud tailor and what looks like a. a um, like a, a turntable connected to him, um, but it, it looks like a really good model. Um, so he's got the proclamator here, so obviously he is the guy that's shouting um, the creed of the cult far and wide. Um, and then you've got the sanctus, who's like the assassin-looking guy um, with the like bionic eyes, almost. Who looks really cool. Um, he's got like a gene stealer on a pipe. I, I think that might be a familiar on a pipe behind him. Um, but yeah, he looks really, really cool. Um, I want him. I pretty much want every figure now. And then you've got the Nexus, who's the guy that's got like the hall table that's a, a, actually a picture of like a hall of um, Warhammer World. They revealed that in one of the. Um, what you call it? Um, sneak peeks of the Gene Steel Cult a while back. Um, and it looks really, really cool. Um, and I, I just want all these figures. It's ridiculous. Um, not really too worried about getting the tectonic frag drill. Um, obviously, because um, it's a piece of terrain. If I want to buy it, I'll buy it, but I'm really not bothered about that bit. Um, and then, obviously, they're now re-releasing the Neophyte Cultist upgrades for the KB, or the, sorry, the Brood Brothers, um, with the Astro Militarum upgrades. It's the Cadian Shock Troop um, sprue with Heavy Weapon and the Gene Steeler up Cult upgrade frame. Um, so they look like Gene Steeler cultists, and obviously the Codex releases, you know, the, the usual collectors and limited editions and the dice and the data cards. Um, so that's the first release, um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing them released um, over the next couple of months. Hopefully, <laughs> by the time everything's out, I will have a job. And I will be able to get my rule book, my, my codex book, but um, I won't be buying any of this stuff until um, 
unless it's stuff that's going to obviously be released for a short time, because you can sometimes see that, um, until probably next year, uh, probably Christmas this year, maybe. Um, excuse me, just had to get a drink. Oh, just due to the projects that are ongoing at the moment. Um, so, you're really looking forward to that. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Yeah, so I have been building a diorama for um, the Napoleonics figures that I'm going to do as part of a raffle. Um, basically, it's a base so you can. Um, you know, put them in it, but also so they're playable. Uh, I, can't, I keep on having a brain fart today. It's one of those things. Sometimes I get um, you'll you'll hear it now and again. Me going um 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 um. Can't remember what I was going to talk about, but uh, <laughs> um, essentially with um, that, uh, I am um, so. I've taken a, it's not quite a two by one foot um, piece of polystyrene, um, it's more like a, a two and a three quarters, or a one and three quarters by one and, I don't know, one and a half foot, so when I'm making my boards which are two by one, um, what I do is I cut off the, the extra bit at the bottom glue it to the bit at the side and then you know cut as appropriate um, but this obviously I've, I've shaped it a bit so or, um, you know it's got a bit of a curve on it um, and then the, the other bit that I've taken off obviously I put on the hill uh, to make this a hill because um, what it is is it's two units of eight um Napoleonic British Infantry uh, protecting a gun so it's some line infantry and some um, light infantry line, inf line company sorry um, and light company um, figures so there's an officer and a sergeant and a drummer and one of the I might add the colours to it I'm not 100% on that one and then on the top there's a piece of light artillery um, with crew and officer and um, limber but basically what uh, I've been doing is I've been thinking I'm thinking right I'm going to use this I'm going to use that I'm going to use the next thing um, and it's this is more uh, you know trying to explain why I'm using you know static grass and I'm using flock I'm using different types of flock um, so I'm, I'm just going to go through it. Um, so obviously I've used polystyrene for the the actual shape of the thing. Normally what I would do is I'd use the bottom bit of polystyrene and I'd use like a small bit of um, polystyrene and then use um, modeling compound. But right now I don't have any modeling compound. And as you're probably aware I'm a bit skint at the moment so um, I haven't got the plaster to make um, my homemade stuff with 
the it's quite easy to make well quite easy but time consuming um, it's like a, it's like making paper mache basically um, with toilet rolls um, rather than like bandages and stuff um, so you normally I would use that to make the hill um, and I would use some rock formations and what have you to you know um, give it a wee bit of wee bit of um, realism more than what I've got right now it's you know it's difficult to do with the just the polystyrene I think to make it really that lifelike um, but I'm going to do my best um, so normally that's what I would do but obviously I've had to shape the, the bit of the hill um, that they're on and then after that what I've done is I've got a mix of sand PVA glue um, pre-mixed um, wall fill or I think it's spackle in America um, and brown paint and basically what I've done what I do is I mix that up and I put that over it um, I do this for my boards as well I know people to get much more realistic use um, there's looks APS I can't remember the, the mix that he uses but um, if you go on it it's, it's what he uses now instead of using this particular um, texture paint because he used to use that um, for you know as a replacement for stolen mud because obviously if you're doing a whole army stolen mud doesn't pop it pot and that doesn't go very far whereas with this you've got tons of it and it's good for putting on boards but I mean with it as well you don't get it to go as far as you would really like it to go especially the way I use it um, but you know I like it, it's good um, I, th I think for me because I'm fairly new to terrain making and um, diorama making I think it's good to start at that level and then build up because I think with my trees I went a wee bit too far forward than, and should have pulled myself back a bit and tried the crappy versions and then built up to the really good versions but you know beautiful trees because you see foam and I'll, I'll go through that at some point as well um, I thought about putting a tree on the, the diorama but then I thought to myself it's going to be sticking out and you're going to be using that sea foam and you're going to it's going to have to get sent to somebody um, so maybe not maybe not I might have a like a a knackered tree it might be like at the autumn time or something like and it's you know the tree's lost all its forge but I haven't decided on that bit yet and I'm kind of jumping back and forth on that one but that has been covered all over it Um what I'm going to do next is I'm going to do a mix of um, a couple of different static grasses um, it's three different types of static grass um, that I just put in a shaker and I just shake it out um, that's not going to go all over the the model because obviously I want some like mud churned part parts so I'm going to leave bits that are open but also I want to use some um, foam flock and I also want to use some sawdust flock because the sawdust flock is basically um, like brown flock um, that I'll use for the mud churned parts because I'm not the, the sterling mud is more 
and it's just a ground cover. So the the other mud is just like from like wet mud and all that all that kind of thing. Um, but um, well, I'm using different types of flock because um, I think it's better off. You're actually better off using different types of flock. Uh, and on a single diorama or a single board, it's what I do all the time um, because yeah, I think because I don't have a static grass applicator and, and I'm using static grass, I think it gives you far more life um, and realism if you use the different types. So you like you get your static grass for. Um, some things and you get your um, foam for other things um, obviously up in the hill there'll be a bit of um, press working I'm not sure if at this point in history um, they would have used sandbags I'm going to have to have a look at that um, to just have like a, a placement um, so you know um, yeah so I'm going to use a different, couple of different ranges so I'm using series play static grass I'm using um, I think it's spring uh, it's quite light um, and then I'm using the step static grass from army builder and then I'm using static grass from Jarvis um, Scenics um, they are all mixed into a shaker Jarvis is actually the, the least I've got out of it, but um, there's also different lengths. So when I'm shaking it out, different grass lengths or different fibre lengths. Essentially, static grass, you should really be using a static grass applicator. So when, you, when you're putting it out, um, you actually get the, the grass look. Um, but I don't have one. And I'm not wanting to electrocute myself um, to build a um, a cheap one. Um, it's something I want to get, um, and at some point it will be on my list of things to get. Um, but um, right now it's good as ground cover if I've got it in the different lengths and different colours. Um, that's what I think. Anyway, I think it looks all right. I think it could look worse if you look on my Instagram you'll see the captain not Cap, I keep on calling him captain and I do it every time and I know I'm saying it wrong but anyway the Lieutenant Calcius figure that is the mix of the, the three different static grasses that's on that base that I made for him um, and also there's some foam flock and there's some um, what's the word the sawdust flock um, on that as well um, so my foam flock is all from um, Lux APS um, I've got some lichen and I've got some um, sawdust flock from elsewhere I bought it at shows and I can't remember where I bought it from but it's like a mix um, that I use um, the sawdust flock is from a couple of different um, manufacturers. Uh, my brown stuff, if you hold on. I'm just looking for it. <laughs> so I got 
um, it's on Amazon I got it, it's fine sawdust screen scatter model thought ground cover um, it's from Haberdashery Wholesale um, I don't know who if that is the company that actually does it but it says it's distatched and sold by Scanlan Arts Scanlan's Arts maybe uh, on Amazon so that's what I use for like my brown um, flock sawdust flock um, the green sawdust flock I'm not 100% sure where it's from um, I'll be absolutely honest um, but the flower flock that I use that's sawdust is from Luke's APS range um, so all the Luke's APS range stuff you can get on funnily enough um, Geek Gaming um, uh, the whole range is there or when it's updated the range will the whole range will be there because he's updated dating his flocks um, I think because he's got a new foam that he's using with it this, the foam that he's got just now is really good I use it on trees I use it on obviously terrain bases and I use it to make um, little flower bushes some of which I will be using on this um, particular terrain I will also be using some um, scenic uh, not woodland scenics um, where did I get my um, scenic play is it scenic play I get my sea foam from I got some from these little bushes without any um, it's for like putting on models um, so you've got these little things um, and I think I might I was thinking about doing like some reeds or something like that but then I thought to myself why would I put reeds out when I don't actually have any um, water to put in um, so um, there's lots of different things that I'm going to be doing with this and I'm going to be documenting it uh, work in progress on my YouTube channel so check that out the first one's already up um, and probably all of them are, um, and there's a number of them up right now because um, I'm just doing it bit by bit um, I know obviously this has been recorded what three weeks ahead of schedule four weeks ahead of schedule um, but um, I'm trying to get them uh, out and everything coming out at the same time but no as we speak, they're probably all, it's probably done um, and ready for the figures to actually be finished and then the raffle for um, Calcius done and um, the new one to start um, but what else am I doing so in this obviously I'm making the breastwork um, or whatever um, in order to put the gun in but I'm going to have to like carve out holes for the figures to go in so you can take them in and out um, and I'm trying to figure out uh, how I put and hold the polystyrene put in something in the polystyrene that will hold the figures um, obviously you know if you were doing um multi-part figures that had different weapon choices you would put rare earth magnets in them but 
I honestly don't think the Ray Red Earth Magnet will work um, because um, some of the figures have copper bases um, because they're taken from uh, two pence piece bases, the actual two pence piece bases, and some of them are wood bases. So I don't think I can draw in enough to the bases that um, I'm going to get the the hole to put the magnet in. And I also don't think that I'm going to be able to hold the the other mag magnet on the <laughs> the polystyrene, but. Uh, I'm looking at ways of keeping them in place. Um, when I put the Calcius figure in um, to his scenic base, he seems to hold in fairly well. Um, but I don't want them, you know, if they're on a shelf and somebody knocks it over, I don't want it to be destroyed, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's going to be a lot of work, and you know, somebody's going to want it, and it's going to be really nice for the really nice wee display for them. Um, We'll see. We'll see where see how that goes. Um, so I'm going to talk about all the other stuff that I'm using as well with this. So obviously I'm using different glues and um, sealants and all the rest of that kind of stuff. So with the Sterling Mud makeup, what I've used is um, it's from B and Q. It's like the ready filler. Um, some sand that I've got from B&Q I think um, either at a home base before they shut down which is a massive bummer um, contractor's glue because I use contractor grade glue because it dries in like an hour so it was dry in no time um, yesterday even though all, all it combined took, took longer to dry it took less time than it would to dry than it would before um, so, and then I've used brown paint for the box um, as the, the colour. Um, what I'll do over that is I have a homemade, um, what do you call What a bum. So it's a brown wash basically that I'll wash over it um, and then I'll highlight it with um, kind of a sandy colour. Um, maybe not a sandy colour but a lighter brown um, to highlight it a wee bit and then I will that'll be it for painting and texture and everything um, the glue obviously I'm using the contractor's glue to put everything down but what I do is a layer so I put a like I put a, a light layer of I'll put the PVA down and I'll put a light layer of whatever or a heavy layer or whatever I'm using as the base of that particular part of the model um, and then I'll um, spray it with isopropyl alcohol um, like a, I use kind of a 90% to water ratio um, I, I've seen people using like no watering down um, but stuff stinks a wee bit so I need to water it down at least a wee bit um, and then what I'll do next is then spray it with that top level or that bottom level with um, watered down PVA um, you want it so it'll spray out your bottle um, so you want a, a misty a misting bottle um, 
so you want it so it'll spray out the bottle um, you don't want to make it too thin uh, but you don't want it too thick that it won't um, and then I'll put on the next layer um, and then I'll spray that put on the next layer, spray that put on the next layer um, it's so you can work on it fast and what the spraying does is um, it lets you work on the next level quicker and it, it lets you know it reactivates the um, the super glue, the PVA glue underneath and then you know what you then do once you finish with it is you do um, a, a couple of different like a, a spray of the watered down PVA spray of the ISO spray of the watered down PVA you know till it goes rock hard and it's not coming off um, because obviously you know we've all dealt with terrain and what have you that has you know had bits falling off at, at times um, like the flocking stuff but this way basically it seals it rock hard and you know you, I have not seen any um, anything come off thus far I mean no obviously I've only been using it for 6 months or so but nothing's come off so I'm happy with that Um so yeah uh, I think that's it for that right now um, so work in progress right now paint wise um, is in the British Napoleonics uh, <laughs> my Scots Guard my Highlanders um, and my um, Rifleman yeah my Rifleman um, and then I'll do the artillery and I'll do the cavalry separate um, so they're coming along and it's it's enjoyable it's frustrating sometimes because there's so much work to be done on them um, but the jackets have been done so the tunics have been done um, at least the red part of them have been, have been done so I'm going to release a video on that bit uh, but then I'll release a video on the whole figure at some other point um, and how I painted that um, once finished obviously um, but yeah it's been enjoyable I have really liked actually painting this many figures at, at one point because by the time they're finished the first figure, the next figure's dry but what I've also found which is quite interesting was that um, see if you put up paint on a wet palette that has been mixed with foam improver and thinner it takes absolutely no time to dry so where the fuck man I painted the figure and um, forgot I painted it and went to pick it up and went oh shit I'm going to fucked up the paintwork nothing it was only like a couple minutes before I'm like huh that's interesting and I was talking to somebody on Twitter and he says the more um, liquid you put in it apparently the quicker it dries um, so obviously all that liquid um, put in it it's for the better um, not when it's in the bottle though see when you put it in the bottle um, I've had um, stuff in a dropper bottle for about well longer than I've been in this house and I've nearly been in this house a year um, so and it's not dried up at all um, it's got a wee bit the pigment needs to be shaken up every now and again 
purely but I think it's just because it settles um, and you know it's fine you know they're all fine the ones that I've done um, the only thing I've had an issue with is my this is the thing I think with the putting paints in these dropper bottles if it's an alcohol based paint it kind of starts to evaporate after time um, so my Tamiya paints my clear paints are start to dry up a bit or uh, evaporate a bit um, so I think that's the reason they're obviously still in glass um, what you call them um, bottles or um, tubs for the Tamiya paints because when they actually hit the plastic or the plastic that they use on in the dropper bottles um, they start to evaporate and that's that's kind of like what really that's kind of weird um, because I have noticed a loss in that those particular paints whereas I haven't noticed any loss in the other paints um, I know sometimes I talk a mile a minute and you might not um, follow my train of thought but go back, listen to it maybe slow it down a little bit I'm Scottish, we do talk fast um, as anyone in the world apart from the Irish will tell you because they talk faster than we do um, at times uh, and we can't understand them there's other parts of come Scotland basically I can't understand either so you know they talk even faster than me and it's like what what the fuck did you say except not um, generally in that tone because it was generally customers I was dealing with that I couldn't understand I, I walked up in Falkirk for a couple of shifts Falkirk Stalling for a couple of shifts and sometimes I could not understand what the people up there were saying and it's like what Okay, but um, yeah, honestly, if you're having problems hearing me and understanding me, um, let me know because I can kind of lower my, my enthusiasm a little bit, but not too much, and I can slow myself down a little bit um, if need be. Um, I'm happy to if it helps you guys out. Um, but what I was going to talk about next is um, um, there's going to be times where you're going to hear a stop in the, the broadcast. I haven't edited anything. It's just um, I've, sometimes I have to stop myself and think to myself, um, what am I doing? What, where am I going with this? Um, or if something interrupts me, like the door or the phone or something like that. Um, the reason I'm saying this is because I've been listening to a couple of the episodes and it's like it sounds like I'm editing myself, uh, but I know I'm not. Um, I, I don't think it's the best way to go. Go. Um, obviously, you know, if I was interviewing somebody um, and they said something that I'm like, well, actually, I don't really think you know that's appropriate to be said um, in this situation, or, or you know, something that's obviously. Um, don't know the word for it. I do know the word for it, but I can't remember the word for it. Um, hurtful to anyone in any way, shape or form. Obviously I did that out. Um, but, you know, actually, me talking, I'm not going to edit because I don't like the idea of it. I know sometimes it makes me sound like I'm a crazy person um, and maybe puts people off me when, you know, I rant and I rave and I I shout and I swear and I 
do that kind of thing but it's me I can't not be me can't not swear I've tried it done work it's not me I don't swear Um, and it's not because I'm Scottish it's just because I swear Um, it's because you know I worked in places where you know everyone swore and you know that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it um, but um, essentially what you get from me is exactly what I think there have been episodes where I have recorded them and I've thought to myself no you're going to be a bit far here um, or you, you're saying something that you know there's a lot of stuff that sometimes comes out that's quite political or anti someday or anti organisation that I don't want people to go and think oh well I, I don't think that you know that's appropriate I don't think that that's you know it's like when I talk about the Conservatives or I talk about the SNP or I talk about you know Parliament I talk about the various other things you know I get very passionate about it same as I get very passionate about gaming um, and you know it spills out and sometimes I think well I don't think the same way as other people. I know there's conservatives in the hobby. I know there's liberals in the hobby. I know, you know, there's people of every stripe in the hobby. And I don't want to offend as much as I can help it. And those particular episodes that I recorded, I could help it. It's like, well, right, I cannot release that episode because it's bad. Um, And I just, you know... I just want to make that clear. Um, I'm not going to edit stuff out unless it's obvious that it needs to be edited out and then there's going to be episodes where I'm going to record and I'm going to be like, nope, but I'm going to reuse topics from it. Um, <clears throat> I had to go sort of Zach out there um, and blow my nose because I'm stuffed up, as you can probably hear. Uh, so, tonight... At the Falkirk Wargaming Club, it is the last day of the Necromunda campaign, round one. Um, the thing is, now I'm now only arbitrator of the campaign. I'm no longer a player. We get a new guy in, um, and in order to just go, well, you know what? You come join in. Join in. Um, I boiled out because the other guy that was um, on standby. It's like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. But never told me, had his dad tell me. That's helpful. I don't like that. If you're not going to take part, don't, you know. If you're not going to be taking part, or if I ask you if you want to take part now, if you want to still take part, and, you know, you tell me that, that's fine. But not telling me pissed me off quite a bit. Um, And if he hears this, I really don't give a shit. But, you know take responsibility for yourself um, and I'm going to have a word with him about it anyway um, at some point because I don't think it's acceptable to say oh I'll take part and then if, if you know he was an alternate because there was uneven numbers and he didn't get his list in he, never, he still never got his list in um, but he never got around in time and it was like, well, you never got around in time. You were told. And you've been told for six months. You need to get in by this date. Um, 
but that, that's a thing I wanted to talk about it's keeping control of your campaign um, so obviously I set a date when the lists were to be in and probably six months before I, I started and then towards the end I was getting pissed off because nobody sent me a list and I was like well right this is the hard deadline if you don't have it in by this time and I told you from the beginning if you don't have it in by this time you're not taking part of the campaign now obviously the new guy I've hanging things about but I've taken myself out of the campaign in order for him to play because this other guy doesn't want to play it anymore but I, you know I'm not going to get into that um, hard deadline everyone had to have it in chase the players up if you're going to do something like an Ekermunda campaign or something like that where everyone has to have army list in you're going to do a competition where everyone has to have army list in you've got to chase them for army lists and a, a gang lists or whatever it is and they've got a hard deadline don't have it in that's it unless there's uneven numbers in which case you go right if somebody gets in late then that's fine but at the point we had even numbers when it included me and I was like well I want to take part as well and I know that's a little bit selfish um, but it's like well you were told, you've been told for months that you've had this hard deadline and you didn't get in I don't accept that um, also keeping in control of your players when they don't actually hand in all their updates and stuff to the lists um, and badgering them about it you've got to you got to make sure because you've also got to have a set list of rules if you don't have it in by this time they don't get the, they don't get the benefits of having you know completed this round and the next round I'll, I'll add it for the round after but not this round so if they've not um, got their list in and tighten their their list updates in time um, they don't get to get any um, experience you know upgrades or anything like that um, you know they don't get any money for that round until like, the end of the next round obviously so they can't pick up any new weapons or add new members or anything like that so you know I'm fine with you know being flexible and giving them plenty of time obviously the guys that have got the game today who is meant to be my opponent and um, the new guy obviously they've got till Sunday this week to get them in for me and actually going by the new guy he's probably going to get them in tomorrow morning at some point um, but you know what I mean it's kind of you've got to keep a grip of your campaign because if you don't it quickly gets out of control I've been there I've done campaigns I did a Frostgrave campaign that got absolutely out of control we were adding new members all the time um, and people were just getting overpowered and overpowering all the other gangs and or crews and everything that came in new and basically I've learned from my mistakes and 
lend in a bit of wisdom that I've gleaned from my mistakes to help you guys out. Um, again, um, I say you should have a clear list of rules um, and variant rules to the like the base rules of a campaign. With mine, you know, um, they start with um, quite a bit of territory, um, uh, special territory, and quite a bit of um, turf. So they're and they're starting with fifteen hundred credits um, per gang, which makes them a little bit established, but not massively established. Um, a lot of people have gone, oh, I'll take all this super weaponry, um, all this extra weaponry, and I'll not um, add to my gang, which is fine. But when you lose a gang member, um, it can be a bad thing if you have all this super weaponry but you don't have any new members to replace them um, but you know that's you know that's up to them that's, you know, I went with uh, um, when I, I put my gang in it had four Jews you know it's like well at some point I'm going to lose a gang or, or two um, so I might have as well have the Jews and the in the back waiting to get promoted and I mean they might get their asses kicked for the first couple of games but um, that's fine what I've also done with the experience is to give everyone um, everyone um, including the gangers are as if the gangers are as if they're specialists for XP or experience Um <clears throat> But only like the regular specialist rules apply, so there's only one specialist that can have um, special weapons, um, opposed to everyone being, having special weapons available. That would have been a nightmare. Um, but um, the difference with the XP is, you know, you, you wound. It doesn't matter whether or not they save or not. You get a point of experience. If you kill, uh, if you take somebody out of action, obviously with that one, you obviously get another experience point. If you take a champion or a leader out with um, that, you get two experience. Um, I think that's quite similar to the, the original, but it, every time you wound somebody, even if they've saved it, um, it means you get an experience point. You don't need to take them out of action to. Um, gain experience if you've hit somebody you know you've hit them so you're like just you know you get that yes feeling in your in your gut or <laughs> at least you should be and, and that game I think so I, you know I made a wee bit of a tweak to the experience um, I also made a wee bit of a tweak to the territory um, it's actually quite a big tweak, tweak. but it means um, you know in the first couple of rounds, the first first half of the year, pretty much, um, they're fighting over territory um, that in their area, in their in their zone, that it hasn't been claimed, and that's what the first half it's to claim, um, and then obviously um, it builds you building your reputation um, and your turf, and with that, obviously. Your, you know, 
increasing the size, you know, size of your gang's control. And then the second half is them basically fighting over the 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 territory they have picked up. So um it's all special territories that are put in. So, you know, obviously they can become quite powerful, but everyone has that chance to become quite powerful. It's not one gang has that chance to become quite powerful. Um, everyone's fighting over the scraps. Everyone else is fighting over the scraps, which kind of happened in um, a Frostgrave campaign, um, where me and like three, maybe two others, were quite high up, um, and everyone else was fighting for the scraps. I think I won that overall. Um, I can't remember actually off the top of my head. It might be my dad actually that won it. He might have had more um, experience than me. Um, anyway, I'm getting off the topic, but, you know, it's one of those things that I have changed it. So, you know, everyone's got a vested interest in winning every single game. It's not playing for draws, um, because the only way to win the campaign is to have the most amount of territory, the most amount of turf, um, and ultimately be alive at the end of the campaign um, obviously the same um, if your gang leader buys the guy with them I think it's the highest leadership or the highest experience I can't remember off the top of my head but no. um, he becomes the champ the, the leader of the gang um, it used to be leadership didn't it Aye, under the previous edition there was leadership, but I can't remember if it still is because I haven't actually looked at that but, um, in a while. But, you know, your leader dies, somebody takes over. It's not the campaign's over for you. It's <laughs> you've lost your leader, but um, the best guy for the job's taken over. Um, it's going to be quite interesting because one of the guys playing Venerators, or Venators, um, so obviously a bunch of bounty hunters but they're working for a guild who wants control of that particular um, sector because there's stuff in that sector that they want obviously because um, there's quite a few mines and what have you um, and big populations of gangers and stuff but um, you know there's a venerator um, gang and there's also a chaos cult gang um, so that should be interesting the thing is, there's three Dalmac gangs now, and what I was kind of wanting was a, a, a wide range. So, no, don't, don't have any Orlocks anymore, and don't have any Fansars. So, it's going to be interesting. So, Dalak's got one in three chance of being top of the tree. Um, but, I'm going to be honest, I think the best player out of the whole lot of them. Um, it's probably the Kodor guy him or the Ven Venator guy um, uh, there might be a three way tie between I've not seen the new guy I not, don't, haven't seen how he plays yet so I don't know quite how that's going to work out but yeah he's playing a Goliath in the first round not a rather big Goliath crew um, which I was, I looked at and was like, right, long range shooting. I'm going to get plenty of that before he gets into combat with me. Because most of my guys have got long range weapon than either of them. And with some stopping power. Um, so, 
you know, I, I wasn't worried, but I'm not sure about the Dalak because a lot of their um, shooting, I think, is toughness based. Um, so it's going to be harder for him to take the Goliath down. Um, but yeah, it's entertaining. Well, it's going to entertain me to see how it, how it goes. I would have loved to play in it, but you know, it's fine. It means I get to play Infinity this week. Uh, the actual Infinity, not the um, RPG. The um, tabletop game. I don't know all tabletop games, but um, the skirmish game. That's the that's the word I was looking for. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> as I said, um, keep control of your campaign, and keep control of your players. Make sure that they're doing their paperwork or whatever you need them to do, um, and then you know, do what you need to do as an arbitrator or a campaign historian or whatever it is you are um, for that campaign, whatever the the terminology is for the set of rules that you're using um, <clears throat> I think that's probably it for today it's a shorter one than usual but you know that's cool um, as always um, if you're enjoying this podcast I encourage you to share it with your friends I also encourage you to comment um, and rate it on whatever platform you use um, I also encourage you to go watch my YouTube channel um, the links for um, my Twitter um, which can be sometimes entertaining um, and my um, Instagram um, all of which the links I think are on the website um, also if you want to get involved in the raffles for whatever current raffles um, it probably still calces because at the moment there's a kind of a bottleneck on what I want to do with certain bits of the figure um, so it might still be going um, so for any raffle for all time as far as I'm wanting to play it um, it's my coffee account and the link to that is again on the web- website which is yogidaveshobby.podient.co um, if you haven't got it straight from the website this from straight from the website um, honestly you know if you're enjoying this um, you probably enjoy the YouTube channel um, if not you know that's fine I don't mind um, but you know give me your honest feedback if you like it let me know if you don't like it tell me why you don't like it but make it constructive because otherwise I'm just going to ignore it um, I don't um, subscribe to putting up with any abuse um, for the sake of putting up with abuse I'll just ignore you because um, that's what I do I spent 10 years on the door guys like, ignoring abuse from people is like the easiest thing on the planet for me for the most part anyway um, some people just get on my fucking go um, so yeah I think that's everything. Um, if you just want to, you know, give a boost to the channel, um, I've got a PayPal, or you can, you know, um, give me more than one coffee on my coffee account and just say I don't want to be part of the raffle. Um, if you want 
me to do a commission for anything that I do, be it um, figures or trees or terrain or dioramas or um, stuff like that, um, give me an email. I will have a um, think about it and tell you how much it's going to cost um, and I'll talk to you about what you want done. Um, I'm quite happy to do that kind of thing for you. Um, I do hobby commissions, as I've said before. Um, one thing I will say is I don't do single armies at the same time. I will do two or three squads from army. I will do your army for you, but I won't do it um, as one big army because the last time I did that, it almost bloody killed me. It's probably because it was tow, but you know that's beside the point entirely. Um, I hate tow, um, but um, yeah, as I said, you know I do hobby, I do paint commissions. Um, if you want to do me, me do some terrain for you, then fine, aye, no problem. But it's not gonna be cheap I will tell you that right now I'll, I'll be honest about these things you know I charge what I charge um, and I will charge you for materials as well so there's no point in you coming to me and going oh I want you know a whole army painted for 200 quid it's not happening it's not happening in a month of Sundays for 200 quid trust me Unless it's an Infinity Army, in which case yeah, I might actually be able to do it, but not for a 40k army, not for a Warhammer army. Um, five stands of 15mm infantry cost the guy that got them 100 quid, and that's me actually putting it down a wee bit because I fucked up with the time. Um, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> If it takes less time, I will give you money back. If it takes more time, I won't charge you any more. As long as it's... I mean, uh, what we've agreed on is what we've agreed on and that's it. Um, that's how I roll. Um, but, you know, I don't roll in stupid. I don't do stuff for nothing. you got to pay me. I don't do stuff for exposure. Uh, I've heard that one many a time. I'm going to start ranting now if I don't stop. So I'm going to say good day and happy hobby. <laughs>